This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. We're going to talk about nine business-to-business sales kickoff strategies for 2023 and beyond. A lot of us are focusing on or ramping up for our January-February sales kickoffs to kick off the new calendar year with renewed strategies, excitement, motivation, and at this point, also a little anxiety for a lot of sales organizations. A lot of us are already experiencing or are anticipating experiencing a retraction in the economy on all sides. And what we want to do is really look at how can we position ourselves to be effective sellers and sales organizations coming into 2023. Had a number of sales leaders talk to me about planning their sales kickoff. And they're really looking for more than just motivation or a get-together for their teams, but to actually go to work at these events and plan and develop our individual strategies to win in 2023. So these are really practical, utility-based approaches to winning in the next year. And what I wanted to share with you is nine areas you can focus on moving into next year that can help you be competitive, even in tough or just competitive environments. So I'm going to go through nine things we can do or that we should be doing moving into next month, next year. So the first one is revisit your ideal client profile. Number two is to drill down on your ideal client profile needs, their own risks, and also even missed opportunities for our ideal client profiles, which I'll dig into a little bit more detail in a moment. Number three, we need to improve our lead nurturing game. And I would say that's with existing clients and potential clients. Number four, we need to expand while our competitors are contracting. This global negativity right now, this anxiety is something that can be capitalized on if we're contrarian sellers. Number five, go broad on lead awareness and monitoring. Number six, build your own inbound marketing and branding team. As sales professionals, as an individual sales professional, we've got to think more like a marketer and a brander and really realize that there's a huge opportunity in personally developed leads because statistically, they convert significantly higher than marketing qualified leads in most sales organizations. Number seven, commit to daily outbound omni-channel disciplines. Number eight, build your business acumen. And number nine, have a strategic sales plan or personal sales playbook in place. And my suggestion is even if you wrote it four or five months ago, rewrite it. So let's walk through these points. Each of these could be a podcast unto itself or actually a full day of training. But I'm going to walk through high level some of the things you might want to think about in adjusting your strategy for the year to come. Number one, revisit your ideal client profile. I break down my ideal clients or client base and prospects under A, B, and C. A being absolute, B being beneficial, and C being convenient to target or do business with. My A's are my 20 percenters that give me 80% of my results, revenues, and opportunities. Often what I define as an A in the marketplace or sales organizations would define those as our ideal client profile. So when we develop our ideal client profile, this is something that is very dynamic and changes with the marketplace, technology, competition, supply, demand, technology cycles and adoption, you name it. So your market has definitely changed. 
with the shift in the marketplace even in the last 120 days, companies that were flush and optimistic are not. Organizations that might have been struggling 90 days and 120 days ago who went through massive layoffs are now regrouping, re-strategizing, and looking at expanding. So I think it's really important that you don't look within your existing CRM and say, who has given us most of our business in the last year? Let's target companies like that. Because the reality, that's old news and old data. What we want to look at is forward thinking based upon market conditions, opportunities, trends, and frontline engagement and experience on behalf of our sales team is who are our new 20 percenters. So really looking at and revisiting and questioning your ICP and saying, does this need to shift? Just because these were profitable clients in the past or this was a top producing client for me last year, maybe that's really only a truly a B-level prospect compared to the A-level ones that exist in the marketplace. And remember, an A client isn't always the biggest client. It's the one that needs you as much as you need them, that is profitable, but what you have to offer aligns well with their challenges, their opportunities, the risks they're facing. And then realize that your existing client needs have also changed. So maybe you look in your client base and look at your top 20% of clients really realize that you need to revisit that from a perspective of looking at the fact that these clients' needs have changed with the market as well. So even if they're an ongoing client who's paying you on a regular basis and ordering, have you really drilled down to understand what's happening in their world and what opportunities still exist, new opportunities that evolved, or what needs might have shifted? I know for me, with a couple of my suppliers, I'm on autopilot a bit. I haven't audited some of the software and services that have been provided, but I know in the back of my head that some of them are now redundant or not needed. Those organizations should be reaching out to me proactively to help me map out what my present needs and challenges are versus reactively waiting for me to cancel their service, for instance. So number two, once we revisit our ideal client profile, we want to drill down into their our ICP's needs, risks, so what are their core needs that they're aware of, the obvious ones, but also what risks are they facing in the marketplace that you can help them mitigate? Some of them they'll be aware of and some of them they won't. And so there's opportunities within that to be a value-added advisor. What opportunities they're missing within their business? What are their key goals? What's happening in the marketplace for them? What are their customer? What is your customer's customers facing in the marketplace? And then really look at all of these things that you've pulled out from a data perspective and align them with your solutions. So how does your product and or services help meet their needs, overcome their risks, uh, really address missed opportunities, and also help them prepare for the present marketplace? So really drilling down and understanding that with our ideal clients is going to be extremely helpful in the next steps going to outline. Because we really, if we don't understand this, it's really hard to put together, for instance, a solid lead nurturing program, right? Or increase our visibility in the marketplace when we're not really sure where our ICP is at, our ideal client profile, our ideal client. Number three, improve your lead nurturing game. So whenever we look at being in a more competitive environment or when we look at moving up into larger, more complex more enterprise level deals, for instance, there's big clients, big organizations with more contacts involved. These sales tend to require a lot more engagement at a much more personalized level. On the other side, 
within the marketplace, as the economy is contracted, so to speak, and people are a little bit more pessimistic, they're just less responsive to outreach that are sales specific. In other words, we need to find other ways to engage them beyond just our core offering. It's not about reaching out and booking an appointment and following up. It's the realization that when there's anxiety in the marketplace, sales cycles expand. And when sales cycles expand, our contacts tend to be further spread out, which means there's more dead air, more silence and quiet between our interactions. And we need to find value-added ways to fill that dead air or that space with interactions and engagement that help us develop the relationship. So to improve your lead nurturing game, some of the things you want to think about is more contact, just in general, actually more frequent outreach to more people, more variety of engagement. So if we're stuck on one channel, so to speak, so if we're constantly using the phone and a little email, but we don't tend to use text or LinkedIn or other platforms, for instance, or even maybe snail mail, physical mail, for instance, then or personal visits, these types of things we want to add to our lead nurturing game. Better context, generic outreach, broad comments or context in our outreach just isn't going to cut it. And that goes back to knowing our ideal client profile and clients really well, is we need to reach out with specific context that relates to their specific need. Better timing. So am I watching their decision-making cycles? Am I understanding what time of day is best to connect with them? Am I watching for changes and events and triggers in their business in the marketplace that tell me this is the right time to reach out? Also more relationship. So this is about adding interactions that develop and deepen the relationship. I think back now to 2020, when a lot of us had some major challenges due to the global pandemic. And at that time, a lot of decision makers were frozen around their business strategy. They just weren't sure what to do. But many of them were still open to connecting, conversing, interacting on a personal level. So can we find a way to add more personal value-added interactions? And then the last thing we want to do with our lead nurturing game is get more discriminating. In other words, when I look at my ABC clients and prospects, I need to amp up my variety, my context, my timing, and my relationship, which means I also need to narrow who I'm doing that with. If I reach out to someone 12 or 14 times a year and they're an A category prospect, it was worth it. But if I'm treating my C's and my B's like my A's, running the same lead nurturing and outreach strategy with all of them, I'm wasting time and energy. And if these, this outreach requires more context, it means each outreach requires more preparation, more research. And so from this perspective, we've got to really move up, so to speak, and truly focus on our ideal client segments. Number four is we want to expand while our competitors are contracting. So people tend to, in uncertain economic times, hunker down. They hunker down and they try to hatch. I think about hatchers and pollinators, right? So hatchers are people who just get a few leads and they want to sit on them, so to speak, and love them and protect them and warm them up. And meanwhile, a few of those eggs are already rotten, right? They're not, they're not ideal clients, but they're just hoping they can cling to these existing clients and love them enough that they'll, these clients will carry them through the tough times, right? There's the pollinators, of course, who are out there and 
they're not investing deeply in relationships, so they're making a whole bunch of connections. They're t calling a whole bunch of people. They're going through the numbers. They're, they're not getting results under 100 calls a day, so they're making 300 calls a day. This is not going to work either. So what we need to do instead is realize that if our competitors are down, negative, and holding on and hoping, then we've got to move beyond hoping to strategy. So they're going to be making less noise in the marketplace. They might have been saying things like, it's not worth going after new accounts. People aren't making decisions. I actually saw this advice posted online by a well-known sales guru, so to speak. And what he said was, this is the best time right now in a down economy is don't bother doing outbound calls because no one's going to respond and the sales cycle's too long. You want to focus on closing business from existing customers. And I don't think it's an either or. I think take care of your existing customers, but realize that many of your competitors are negative right now. They're not even optimistic when they make their calls. So my thoughts on this is, A, get out and make some noise. So that's getting involved in the community and the business community, the network, trade associations, you name it. If things are a little quiet on the phone or prospecting through social selling, get out to one or two major events in your community or industry a week if possible. Get out and make some noise. Also, look for who's laid off salespeople. This is a really good hint that this organization has reduced the size of their team probably reduced their service footprint as well and is less proactive with their existing customers. Within their client base, you'll probably find some unhappy customers and abandoned leads and pipelines. One of the things I know about sales in many cases, what I've found anecdotally in my clients, is when a salesperson leaves an organization suddenly, that organization loses about 60 to 80% of the pipeline opportunities because most organizations don't have a proper process to really move the pipeline to a new salesperson in an effective way. And so what this often gives us as competitors is an opportunity. If you know typically who your competitors are working with in the marketplace that you like to work with and they've laid off a bunch of people, most of their prospects and clients are ripe for conversions. Know why people leave suppliers and scan the market. So look for within uh, you know, organizations that you want to sell to that maybe even are locked in with an existing competitor is a change in executives, if supply chain problems, change in the salesperson handling that company, lack of innovation or broad solutions. In other words, there's opportunities to enter with something new or broader as a solution. And do your price, quality, and function grids. So I look at what's my price, What's the quality of my product in comparison to competitors? What are the functions that I can, my clients can execute my solution? And then I want to plot my company versus competitors and look at the ones that really have some major gaps and go after those first. So really in the marketplace, again, expand while your competitors are contracting. Get out there, make some noise. Also look for conversion opportunities. And in addition to that, really find a way to get into the marketplace and be visible online and offline. And we'll dig into this a bit more. Number five is grow, go broad on lead awareness and monitoring. So what I mean by this is that if, when I go into Sales Navigator in LinkedIn and I add my ideal client profile, even for the region I live in, the province of British Columbia in Western Canada, Based upon my ideal, uh, my ideal client profile, when I do the whole province, 
there are literally hundreds of companies that meet my ideal client profile. I don't have enough time in the day to go after those. But still, in a down economy, where maybe I have less inbound and less business happening as a salesperson, what I can do is set up all these ideal accounts in Sales Navigator and look for signals. So although I might not want to just call all these people out of the blue, cold, what I can do is look for contextual opportunities to enter. We talked about context earlier. So I'm going to set up Sales Navigator to help me find out who's hiring, who maybe got a recent financing. Have they merged? So I'm going to also look at these companies and look within news and updates to find out if they've gone through a merger, an acquisition, a major executive change, any major product launches I'm going to monitor for as well, um, new office openings, you name it. And what my goal is, is you know, I may only be able to reach out to two or let's say 200 of these large enterprise size organizations a year properly, but I'll be monitoring three to 500 because I want to do is I want to find the ones that have an immediate need or trigger that lines up with what I can offer to them. And so start broadly monitoring using leverage tools like Sales Navigator or tools like Zoom Info to feed me data that I can action on. Number six is build your own inbound marketing, branding strategy. One of the things we want to do is when there's a little more time or opportunity to really build our brand, to really do more than just the outbound sales call and handle inbound activity. One of the things I look with salespeople is in many cases, They'll go through all their A accounts, then all their B accounts, and then they'll start calling all their Cs. And the worst thing you can do is land a C because there's going to take three or four times the amount of energy to close them. And they're, you know, not even profitable for most of us in most cases. So my suggestion is, is if you truly have handled all your A's and B's and you've already executed your KPIs from a prospecting perspective, then invest in your personal brand. One of the things about a personal brand does is it positions us, of course, as an expert and an advisor and also helps us educate our existing network on platforms like LinkedIn about what we do as a professional. It keeps us top of mind in essence. So one of my thoughts on building our own brand, uh, being seen as a resource, a hub, and being an active community member is number one is curate and create content. You've heard me talk about this before, but think about the type of content you can even curate. News, insights, studies, best practices, uh, industry changes and shifts, anything that's value added or would add value to your target market or somebody that serves your target market. And of course, create content. So think of ways that you can share and create simple content that engages your audience and helps them understand what you do as an organization and even a little bit more about you personally. The next thing you can do is engage in conversations. So I'm following all these major accounts on social platforms. And when I see that on a major press release or an executive in that organization has put out a really great article on LinkedIn, am I jumping in and engaging in an effective manner? On the other side, we can expand this offline as well. So engaging our target market in conversation through networking and get engaged in community events. Be a fan. So it kind of goes on with the first point I covered there, which is, really following the key brands, organizations, and individuals that you're doing business with and would like to do business with and make sure that you're proactively cheerleading. Not in a sort of weird stalker kind of way, but in a relevant contextual way. 
Get out and be in the community and tell stories using video. This is one of the most underutilized tools for sales professionals still. This stat changes on a daily basis, but I've heard something to the tune of 10% of LinkedIn members create over 80% of the content. And I would guess that when you get on platforms like Instagram and you get on platforms like TikTok, for instance, or even Facebook, that you'll find from a video perspective that number is probably even smaller, where you know 5% of the people on these platforms are creating 95% of the content. So I think it's a real opportunity for anybody in any industry who's in sales to actually start using video on a personal level to create 30-second, 45-second clips, advice, previews or walkthroughs for events, personal stories, product profiles, client interviews. All these types of things are really easy to create. They don't have to be high quality. Often it's better if they're not. And it's really you just talking to your audience. Using video to tell stories is a really powerful way to educate your audience, position you as a thought leader and an expert, and stay present and top of mind on a continual basis. And number seven is commit to outbound omni-channel disciplines at all stages of the pipeline. In other words, book time in your calendar on a daily, weekly, monthly basis with key activities where you're engaging prospects and clients at all levels of the pipeline systematically. I'll look at somebody's pipeline and they'll have written 22 proposals and converted four of them and they're happy with that number and I'll ask them what happened to the other 18. Well, they didn't get back to me, they delayed the decision, or oh, I'm not sure about those other ones if they're even qualified. And then, I said, and then we look in their CRM and the last time they contacted these people were three and six months ago. And I think this is interesting is that this is a huge missed opportunity. It's interesting that someone will call a prospect and actually follow up with them and nurture them once they give them love for a year. But if someone says no or delays a contract and abandons the conversation, a lot of salespeople may try them once or twice again over that year. You need a value-added engagement process, a lead nurturing process to engage those people. You also need one to engage your existing customers who've purchased from you. And even from a, a proposal follow-up process, discovery, prospecting, and even lead perspective. So all levels of your pipeline, whether it's a lead, a prospect, someone who's at the discovery phase, someone who you're following up with, uh, someone who's executed or not executed a contract, or even existing customers, we need to find a way to reach out by email, phone, text, social platforms, in real life. But here's the key is making a daily discipline. So is there time weekly in my calendar booked so I can, in a batched way, reach out to all my leads and then all my qualified prospects. And then everyone I've done a discovery call that I haven't moved forward through in the process. And so have I done this so that I'm moving as many people as possible through each stage of my sales funnel? I think for some reason, people are really great at following up with prospects but once they get into the funnel and someone stalls, we tend to leave them alone. But we need a value-added process to move that forward. Number eight, one of the things we can do moving forward in 2023 to be more effective as sales professionals is to double down on our investment in our business acumen. Clients are more sophisticated. 
opportunities are larger and you need to differentiate. I think this is really important. So the first step is educate yourself on your clients. Know their clients. Understand their business solutions and understand their competitors really well. They say, oh, I already know that. Well, you already knew that last year, maybe. You knew that six months ago, but the market has changed. So we need to re-educate ourselves. And know the regions and markets as well. So what are the politics, the industries, the culture of that specific area I'm selling into? I know that I do a lot of business in British Columbia, Canada. But if I go over one province into Alberta or south into Washington State, even though both of these places are driving distance from my home, the politics, the industries, and the business culture are completely different west and south of me. So am I educating myself on this so that I am really in tune with my clients and prospects in those markets? And then C, of course, the third thing we need to do to build our business acumen is to know our own solutions. All the applications, history, limitations, future direction of our organization. If you sat, if your CEO sat down or your chief marketing officer sat down and talked to other executives about where your organization was heading, what stories would they share? Do you know that perspective? Get good at telling that story. And so these are some things that we need to do to really build our business acumen. And lastly, the last thing we wanna do to kick off 2023 really well is to have our own personal strategic sales plan or personal sales playbook. Interesting statistic from the Canadian Professional Sales Association, and I'm sure this statistic is very similar for the US or South Africa or the UK, wherever you're listening from today, is we find that close to 80% of salespeople polled last year shared that they had no formal sales training the previous year from their organization. So that's a major challenge. The other one is, my belief is if they've had no formal sales training, it's highly unlikely that they've been taught a formal process to build a strategic sales plan for their next year. And so I think if you're in sales, you're in business. As a sales leader, if you're listening to this, each of your individual sales team members need to have their own personal business plan on how they're going to succeed in the market. And so we really need to build that strategic sales plan. It should map our process. We should know our best practices. And it should really allow the salesperson to reverse engineer our quota down to daily disciplines. So what are my revenue goals? What is my average deal size? What do I have in the pipeline now? How many discovery meetings, proposals need to be written? How many new prospects need to be added to my pipeline? What do my daily, weekly, and monthly disciplines need to look like for me to get there? And if this isn't really nailed down with specific goals, activities, and dates, then I believe we're moving into the next year hoping we're going to hit our goals. But we're really not setting ourselves up for success. So spending some time to build a strategic sales plan. I recently developed one for a course that I've put together called the B2B Sales Specialist Program, which is a 13-module online program that certifies people to be a business-to-business -business specialist sales specialist. And the final module, of course, is developing your strategic sales plan. So I personally sat down and as an outsider, wrote a strategic sales plan for an executive in the printing business. And that took me personally, even knowing the content, about four hours to develop 
you know, what ended up being a 12-page plan with all the data, the information, the insights, the target market, you name it. So if you really know your industry and you're already selling actively in that space, you should be able to invest a half a day, three to four hours, again, to put your plan together for the whole year, but you'll set yourself up with now a document, a strategy, and the next step is share it with your peers, share it with your manager, right? Make sure you're accountable to your plan. And your plan should, of course, include everything we've talked about earlier. And so, again, our ICP, you know, have we written it down? Do we understand their needs? Have we mapped out our lead nurturing game? Have we talked about how we're going to get visible and expand while competitors are contracting? Are we, do we talk about how we're going to go broad and monitor key accounts for opportunities? And have we also included our own personal brand and marketing strategy? And, of course, drilled it down to daily disciplines. And so for 2023, I know I covered a lot here, but these are nine things that you can focus on to really improve your sales success from a business-to-business sales perspective in 2023 and beyond. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from closingbigger.net.